You are listening to Open Democracy. Every week, a journalist is killed because they're reporting uncovered a truth that someone wants hidden. Killing the Truth explores the cases of four remarkable journalists who paid the ultimate price. I'm Penny Dale. This time, the death and life of Regina Martinez-Perez. Murdered in Veracruz, Mexico, on the 28th of April, 2012. Regina Martinez's death is announced at a press conference held by the Veracruz Attorney General. Regina's body was found in the bathroom. She had been very badly beaten and she'd been strangled to death with a rag of some sort. Somebody was so angry with her that they just didn't kill her. They tortured her. They broke her jaw with the knuckle duster. She was beaten. Regina Martinez is really the beginning of a wave of murders of journalists that made Vera Cruz become known as the graveyard of journalists in Mexico. In her free time, she liked tending to her plants. Norma Trujillo is one of Regina's closest friends. Norma's also a journalist, and at the moment, she's the spokesperson for the University of Veracruz. Above all else, she liked doing things at home. She liked to cook, but she also liked to read a lot. She liked to sort through her newspapers, because she had a storeroom of newspapers in which she had been published. She kept them all, and she said that was because from time to time she used things from them for new articles or new versions of her stories, and that she had to go back to her earlier pieces. As a person, she was very reserved, but with a lot of strength and a lot of determination to make known or investigate what she cared about. She was a little suspicious of people. It was an attitude that she adopted in order to survive. It meant not taking people to her home. Even with great friends, they could never come round her home. Regina was, more than anything, a good human being. She was just trying to uncover the truth, fighting for justice, very courageous. She inspired me to become a journalist. My name is Amixaday Lopez Beltran. I'm a Mexican journalist living in the UK. She used to wear a T-shirt, jeans, um, a brown waistcoat, I remember that. 
Harry Potter style glasses, like with hiking boots. She was a very small lady. She was 148 centimeters, skinny. It's like uh, you will never imagine that her bravery come from such a petite lady. Bravery, because Rohina was based in Jalapa, the capital of the state of Veracruz in eastern Mexico. It's beautiful, but it's dangerous. Rival drug cartels control different towns and cities, and since the year 2000, eight journalists have been disappeared and 26 journalists have been murdered. You have to remember that the state of Veracruz already had a problem, a very serious problem of insecurity. This was a legacy left by the government of Fidel Herrera Beltrán. That was when there were so many disappearances, especially of adolescents, back in 2008 to 2010. That's Norma again. It was a growing part of the violence that existed, the violence of organized crime that reached deep into many areas of the state. That was when she was most immersed in, like any other journalist in those years, when we witnessed shootings in the streets, people murdered, kidnappings. I am Jorge Carrasco. I am chief editor of Proceso, the most important weekly magazine in Mexico City, covering politics, the relationships with the organized crime. Independent for almost 45 years from the power, which is very, very important in a country where the press has very tight links with the government, big business uh, power. Regina Martinez was our correspondent in the state of Veracruz for almost one decade. She, she was a great journalist. She had very ethical standards for that reason. Among others, she was very recognized both in Veracruz and in Mexico City. She knew very well the politics of Veracruz, and she witnessed how the politicians there were getting involved with the crime, and she was reporting that for many years. But it was the plight of Mexico's indigenous people that had first attracted Rahina to journalism more than 30 years before she was killed. There was a time in journalism in Veracruz when issues around peasant conflicts, especially over questions of land and fighting against caciques, local bosses or chiefs, were hardly touched on. So she dedicated herself to those things. That was what mattered to her. For almost 20 years, Rahina used to write for a publication called Politica. When it was a left-wing newspaper, she was paid to travel all over Veracruz State looking for stories. When you travel around and go to the mountains and go to the farmer, and you speak with poor people, you're going to find important news. The news that the government doesn't want that you cover. 
they were focusing human rights in poverty. Amixarai has researched Rahina's life, speaking to about 10 people who knew Rahina over the years. She used to travel around the state with Beto Gato, one of her colleagues in Politica, and sometimes he told me that farmer or indigenous people used to come to Jalapa to look specifically for her, to expose their problems. They went to her because she was listened. This kind of topics was very close to her. She's one of 11 kids, so she knows about poverty. One of her biggest stories was about the rape and murder of an indigenous woman called Ernestina Asensio. At the beginning, the governor admit it was the army, but then the president, Felipe Calderón, have decided to protect the army and said she died by gastrointestinal disease. However, Regina was contacted by somebody who passed the medical certificate where it said that Ernestina was killed by tumultuous rape and even sent her picture of the lady lay down on the floor with blood coming out of her head. And she published this in process. And this blew away the public official version. Rahina's hard-hitting exposés meant that she was a hero to some and an enemy to others. In fact, Rahina had to navigate an incredibly hostile environment throughout her career, as Amixarai explains. She had a bad experience almost at the beginning of her career. When she finished university in Veracruz, she went to work in Chiapas on a TV channel with another four journalists, like maybe 23 years old. So one day they went to ask a pay rise to the director of the channel, but he made fun of all the girls, saying, how can a woman be angry because they earn little money? So all of them decide to quit in a, in a block, and that makes him super angry. So he sometimes drives the car at them. And the director's son, he threatened them with a gun. Later on in her career, Politica changed hands, and the newspaper that had once been Rahina's champion turned into a different place altogether. She told Amixarai all about it in 2009 when she interviewed Rahina for an academic thesis that she wrote about the manipulation of the media in Mexico. It's very common that government or the presidency can give money to the newspaper to publish just nice things and hide the, the bad things. In Veracruz, the governor used to pay directors, journalists, columnists, every month money. And Regina, sadly, she was paying the price of all of this because she wanted to publish something and she was censored or like everybody was looking her bad at her, like she was the outsider because she wasn't participating in, in this corruption. Rahina's integrity set her on a collision course. She couldn't say what article was she working on because she knew that they would pass this information to the government. The governor asked the newspaper to sack Regina. The newspaper wanted her to quit, but she wanted that the newspaper sack her. 
Otherwise, she could not claim her compensation. And she was working there for almost 20 years. So it was a big battle. She was constantly bullied. They gave her the worst computer. Uh, they didn't let her publish some things that she wanted to publish. And at the end, uh, she won. She won that battle. She was sacked. But it was a cost. It was too much stress for her. And she told me that she couldn't sleep. She was very stressed. She was anxious. She was nervous. So it was a hard time for her. That sounds very difficult. And for Rahina to be talking so openly about it with you was quite unusual, wasn't it? Because she was a very private person. It was very surprising. And it's why I feel honoured for that, for the trust that she gave me. She answered everything. Very open, very quickly, except when I asked her, are you from Veracruz? She doubted, because she was so private that even now, the age that it said everywhere in Wikipedia is not true. The town that she was born is not true. It was a defense mechanism. After all the threats that she had endured during her career, and she tried to protect her personal life. Rohina was, according to the entry on Wikipedia, 48 years old when she was murdered so brutally. Six months before, Rohina had been concerned enough about her safety to speak openly about her fears to her processo colleague, Jorge, and to her friend, Norma. We were together at a party of the anniversary of processo in Mexico City. Rohina told me about her bad feelings on what is going on in Veracruz at that moment. She was afraid of uh, how the situation became so dangerous for, for the journalism. She decided not to work on security issues until she get the official information, not before, because she was so afraid. She spoke of certain threats that she had in the run-up to her death. For example, one time she came home and she found steam coming out of her bathroom, as if a person had just been taking a bath there. And she also found a bar soap with a person's finger marks on it. It was as if these were messages that someone had entered her home and had taken something from her. That was about a few months before she was murdered, on Christmas Eve. We told her to file a complaint, but she didn't believe that there would be any justice. And so she didn't. On the 28th of April, 2012, Rahina was murdered. And then came the investigation. It was a comedy. It was a tragedy. The state's case was that Rahina had been drinking all night in her house with two men, a fiancé that none of her friends had heard about, known as El Jarocho, and his friend, known as El Silva. According to the state, El Jarocho wanted money and started beating Rahina to get it. El Silva joined in. Things got out of hand and they ended up killing Rahina. The attorney of Veracruz concludes that it was a passionate crime because Regina was fiancée of a prostitute man in, on the streets. It was unbelievable. Norma echoes Jorge's disbelief. Entonces desde ahí estigmatizaron 
And now Regina was being stigmatized and shamed. And she was being made a victim again, because the focus became that it was a crime of passion. And there's more. The crime scene was contaminated, because the state forensic investigators used far too much powder in their search for fingerprints. My name is Laura Angelina Borbolla Moreno. At the time of Rahina's murder, Laura was a federal investigator in an office set up by the Mexican presidency to investigate crimes against journalists. She travelled to Veracruz from Mexico City to gather evidence. The state obstructed her at every turn. I, I don't know very well exactly the reasons cover-up or incompetence or negligence. Laura managed to find fingerprints and a bit of blood overlooked by the state investigators. We found a complete and incomplete fingerprint as well as a trace of blood. The fingerprint and blood turned out to be of male profile, but the blood with the Silva's blonde is not match. To date, we don't have a match. That's important. There's no match, and yet El Silva is serving a 38-year sentence for the murder of Rahina. The state had no forensic evidence against him, but they had a confession. They held him incommunicado and tortured him. That's why El Silva confessed to a crime he didn't commit, says his lawyer, Diana Koch Toscani. El Silva is innocent. They never found any of El Silva's fingerprints, and he proved he wasn't with El Jarocho. They needed a scapegoat, and he was the perfect scapegoat. My name is Johan Grillo. I'm a journalist and writer based in Mexico. I've been here for 20 years. I've been specializing on covering organized crime and violence and drug trafficking. I have followed the attacks on journalists here. I collaborated in a special report on the murder of Regina Martinez and on the investigation into the murder. That report is part of the A Safer World for the Truth project, which is documenting and investigating the killings of journalists and trying to pursue justice for them. It's a collaboration between Free Press Unlimited, the Committee to Protect Journalists and Reporters Without Borders. The first investigation was on Regina Martinez. Jalapa in Veracruz is a fairly small town. People there are very exposed. A lot of the police and the state investigators who conducted this case are still around. So people were very concerned for their safety. Basically, in all places we went, we found people who were contradicting the state case and pointing to duress and foul play. But as well as that, the failure of the state investigation to look at the obvious motives connected to Regina's work and instead a focus on a motive connected to Regina's alleged love life, which from everyone we spoke to looks very out of character. 
And this is what he found when it came to finding the key witness who had supposedly helped the police crack the case. We went to try and track him down. He had passed away. And he supposedly had seen Rahina and seen Silva on this night. And we talked to a woman who ran this, this shop that supposedly Rahina had been into. She was very, very adamant that Rahina had not been there. And she described this witness as being quite an unreliable drunk. It's a classic tactic I see in various investigations where you know the kind of people they will suddenly produce as witnesses the key times you know happen to be unreliable drunks you know kind of guys who sitting there you know, who people they can easily manipulate a safer world for the truth also managed to speak to l silver it's the first media interview he has given we went to the prison where silver is being held and then we're able to have series of video conversations with Silva inside his, his cell. He described how he had been kidnapped by the police and held in a safe house, not in a police station, and that he was also taken to Regina's house by the police. He was then shown stuff that he pushed into his statement. El Silva also talked about El Horrocho, and yet another twist in an already murky tale. El Jarocho is nowhere to be found. The last time that he saw El Jarocho, he was having a, a drink with him on the street right before El Jarocho disappeared. Now, he did talk about El Jarocho saying that people had asked him to carry out this murder. Why was he suddenly disappeared? There's a possibility that he did carry out the crime but on orders of somebody else and was then disappeared so you can, he could not be questioned at all about this or contradict those statements. And then you put this other fool guy, Silver, in there who's very, very vulnerable. So Silver is somebody who had a very difficult life, was at times homeless, was a sex worker, had HIV, who was functionally illiterate. So somebody who's very, very vulnerable to being framed in a case like this. There are so many unanswered questions, too many gaping holes in the original investigation into Rahina's murder. And so Rahina's friends, her colleagues, the world of journalism, want the case to be reopened. It's a compromise. That's the current Mexican president promising a Mexican journalist that he would reopen the case if there's a legal way to do it. But that was over a year ago. Mexico's journalists are still waiting and pushing for answers. Mexico remains one of the deadliest places to be a journalist. And a decade on, the impact of Rahina's murder is still felt. Jorge and Amixarai. The assassination impact so much. Before Regina's murder, Proceso was working very, very hard on the so-called war on drugs. When Regina was murdered, we stopped covering in that way the issues of narco and narco politics. We were afraid. 
It is a professional tragedy for journalism. And all the sources that she had, they may not be as well given information anymore. And this has an impact in democracy and in transparency. But also, to me, there is a probably innocent man in jail. So the past government has a boy to look into Regina's job as a journalist. But this needs to be done. And the president itself has committed to open the case. But as far as I know, nobody has happened. But it's important to know what happened, because at the end of the day, impunity leads to more crimes. That's it for Killing the Truth, the case of Rohina Martinez. There are more details about her in the episode notes. This is an Open Democracy production in partnership with A Safer World for the Truth. Original music and sound design by Lee Sperry, research by Anita Morithi, written and produced by me, Penny Dale. You've been listening to a podcast supported by Open Democracy. If you liked it, please consider making a small donation to help us do more. As a small media organisation, Open Democracy relies on the backing of people like you to keep going. Go to opendemocracy.net now to support our work. And one more thing, to avoid missing out on future episodes, don't forget to subscribe to this show in your favourite podcast app.